Welcome back to Couple of Criminals. My name is Mariah. And my name is Anton, and we are your average couple reviewing your not-so-average crimes. Today's episode is number 14 out of a 50-part series that will be based around a crime in each state in the United States of America in alphabetical order, which means today's case will be based on a crime in Indiana. Now, you listeners might have noticed, but I want to apologize because at the end of our last episode, I accidentally said that we would be moving on to Iowa, not Indiana. I completely had a blonde moment and forgot a bunch of my I states. So apologies. Today, Anton will be leading us in the case review of a crime in Indiana. But before that, he will kick us off with his oh-so-desired joke of the day. Let's hear it. All right, Mariah. What month is the shortest of the year? Well, literally, I know it's February, but what is the shortest month of the year? May. It only has three letters. Oh, my goodness. You know, I completely forgot about May. I was going to say March. Oh. So, that was a good one. That was a good one. Yes. All right, Mariah. So, today I've chosen the case from Indiana about the prolific I-70 serial killer, whose reign of terror over three different states occurred for about a month in the year of 1992. The killings began the day of April 8, 1992 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Robin Foldar was working that night alone due to the fact that her coworker called out sick. Robin worked at a Payless shoe source, and then a mysterious man entered the store and was able to charm his way into having Robin show him the back of the store. Side note, I really do miss Payless. I cannot believe that they they are out of stock or out I of, know. It's crazy. But they're all I used to down. go there all the time. That's Me where we too. used to buy our shoes when we were younger. Me too. And I had so many memories because I always got such fat deals. Oh, at I Payless know. Shoe. They were yeah. always such good and deals. And I always felt so stylish. But again, continue on. All right. Now if it were me and I work in retail, as Mariah knows, and I am the only one working in a retail store on a night and some random person asked me to show them the back of the store, I would say no. And that is a capital N-O. Well, I feel like anyone working by themselves who is asked to be shown the back of the store, I think anybody's response would be no unless you're oblivious to a situation or potential situation that could occur. So this is then when the man pulled out a gun and shot Robin execution style. Again, execution style is typically to the back of the head from point blank range. Do we know did she say no and that's what incurred no. or ensued the... No, I didn't say if she said no or not, but she ended up showing him the back of the store. Oh, so so then that it was yes. Yeah. I'm not... Well, she might have said no at first, but then he charmed his way into letting her... Or showed the gun. Yeah, could have been, but it didn't say. This happened in a storage room in the back of the store, and Robin was only 26 years old at the time of her brutal murder. This occurred around 1.30 p.m., and her body wasn't found until 3 p.m., and around $100 was found to be taken from the register as well. And what year did this happen in? In 1992. Okay, so 100 bucks is, even back then, not a lot of money. Not a lot of money. There were no witnesses or video evidence of the killer either, so police had no idea who this killer could be. The Payless had no surveillance? No, it said there were no witnesses, no video of it at all. Well, that's ridiculous. And now this was just the start to what would come of this April to May killings of 1992. Up next was a store in Wichita on April 11th. Now, do you know the distance between Wichita and Indianapolis, Mariah? Anton, I am from the PNW, the good old Pacific Northwest. I have no idea the distance 
cities or states are so from each other. It is just over a 10-hour drive on I-70 and is about 675 miles. So we pretty much just did this as we just went to Arizona for a wedding this weekend. This is easily able to be driven in at least one day for sure, right? Yeah, but that's a long drive. It is a long drive. Well, it could have taken him three days Yeah. to do the drive, or it could have taken him just one. Okay. The store was called Le Bride de Elegance. I'm sure you can guess what kind of shop this is, Mariah. A beautiful bridal shop. Correct. It is a bridal shop. This is where our next victims happened to be. Victims? Victims, yes. Patricia Madgers, who is the 32-year-old store owner, and Patricia Smith, who is 20, who's a 23-year-old employee. It was assumed that the killer thought there was going to be only one woman working that night, but turned out to be two, and that is why this one is the only one with multiple victims. Smith and Madgers were getting ready to close the store around 6 p.m. on the early evening of April 11, 1992, but today was different as they were staying open a little bit later for one customer to come pick up a cummerbund. Now, Mariah, any guesses on what a cummerbund is? Oh, no. It has to do with wedding, I'm assuming. Yes, definitely does. It is a broad waist sash, usually pleated, and is often worn with a single-breasted dinner jacket or tuxedo. Yep, I would have never Could have never that. told you what that no. was without looking it up. Honestly, it sounded like a pastry, but if I... I mean, I knew it was a bridal shop. Oh, no, 100%. When I saw it, I'm like, this thing sounds delicious. Yeah. (laughs) So when a man arrived at the store just after 6, the woman let him in, thinking it was the customer who was there to pick up the cummerbund. Sadly, it was not that customer, and the two women were then murdered. And just after that, the real customer showed up and was actually face-to-face with the I-70 killer. Now, the customer had noticed the gun that the killer had, which was said that it was an Uzi style of gun, so kind of like a semi-automatic pistol. Yeah, I would have never known that. An Slash, Uzi style it could have gun. been. Well, Uzis are typically like a semi-automatic, or not a semi-automatic. It's more of a submachine gun, so it's typically fully automatic. But later in the on, it it came back to say that it was a semi-automatic pistol, okay. so it wasn't an Uzi. Okay. The killer then said to the customer to follow him to the back of the store. Oh, no. Now, again, who in their right mind would follow someone to the back of the store who was holding a gun? But I again, mean, I mean, you un- don't really have a choice. I mean, yes. I mean, unless if he was pointing it at me and really forced me to go, then I would understand. But I guess this killer wasn't too enticing to the customer because the f- customer refused to go with the killer. And this is what most likely saved his life. After refusing, the killer just told him to leave the store. Wow, pretty confident that it won't get traced back to him. So about an hour later, the customer finally reported it to police and gave them a chance at identifying their killer. He gave them a sketch to draw as it was said that the killer was a slender white man and had reddish hair. And that's all this guy could have told the police. The next murder occurred on April 27th, so a few weeks later. Michael McCown was working at his mother's ceramic shop in Terre Haute, Indiana, on the day of his murder. Michael was just doing his job of stocking the store shelves when he was shot from behind like the other victims were, execution style. With no apparent reason or... None whatsoever. His body was found around 4 p.m., but his wallet and $50 from the store were stolen when he was found. Again, that's literally nothing. So what do the first three victims have in common that Michael does not? He's a male. 
Yeah, he was the only male victim. This is most likely as the fact that he was mistaken for a woman when killed. Did he have long hair? He typically wore his hair up in ponytails, as well as the shop's name, too. The shop was named Sylvia's Ceramics, and this was most likely the reason why it enticed the killer to come to this shop. Oh, it was his actually it, it was, was his female. it was his mother's shop so it was Michael's mother's shop that he was working at. And so we just assume the killer thought it was thought it was a female didn't even look at his face just thought it was a female and shot yeah. him okay. dead. Now there was apparently some DNA evidence that was located at the crime but it has not been a huge help in this investigation even to this day. Now May 3rd rolls around and it just so happens to be a matter of wrong place or maybe unlucky. Really. So that's not even a week later. Not even a week later. Nancy Kitzmiller was supposed to have the day off from the boot village in St. Charles, Missouri, but ended up coming into work alone when her coworker had called off. Nancy was 24 at the time of her murder. She too was shot in the back of the head, just like the other victims had been. Her body was found by customers of the store around 2.30 p.m. Some money was also stolen from the register, but it never specified how much it was. I'm assuming it probably wasn't a lot. Apparently, no one had heard the shot, but one customer did see who she was with, and it helped with making another drawing of the killer. Now, there's only one reason why I could think that no one heard the shot, and that would be because of the fact that the gun might have had a silencer on it, or the killer did it in just a very remote part of the store, but even then, you would, ex- you would assume someone would hear it. Yeah, because gunshots are pretty loud. I think it. Um, I think it would have to be the first one, as the customers found her body. But how did literally no one hear the gun or see the killer if there were people in the store? Wait, there were people in the store when it she got never shot. specified if there were people in the store. But seeing how people found her body, I kind of just I would have assumed there were people in the store. It never specified when he shot her, but her body was found around 2.30 p.m. Now, maybe there was no one or not even a lot of people in the store to start with, and that's probably why no one heard it. I feel like that would be pretty risky on his part, but I mean, I guess we do know that he let a customer get away, yeah. so maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it could have been, again, that there were no there was no one in the store or no one in surrounding stores because gunshots are pretty loud. Well, it's possible that he was so confident in himself that's because also he's true. been getting away with multiple that he didn't even care. That's so also he true. was getting more risky as the murders progressed. Yeah, that, and that's one thing that I actually thought about too. Like it's getting closer and closer, and I kind of go over my thoughts on it at the end. Yeah. On May 7th, just a couple days later, in Raytown, Missouri, a 37 year old Sarah Blessing is at her gift shop that she owns called Store of Many Colors. Blessing's murder happened during the day. From the sound of it, this killer was getting a lot more ballsy with his kills. It started off at night, and then it just kept getting earlier and earlier in the day with each kill, like he was wanting to get captured. Or he was... He was tempting the police because he knew that he could now get away with it at any time of the day in any state or city or storefront, and they would yeah, not catch so him. so this is three different states now. Yeah. So Blessing was also found with a bullet in the back of her head, just like the other victims so were. So all execution style? Yes. Only this time, the killer was seen as well as someone heard the gunshot. The video store next door had someone who saw the killer enter Blessing's shop 
Bless heard the shot, as well as seeing him leave. When they went to check in on Blessing's shop, that is when they found Blessing's body. And then another person at a grocery store did see the killer climbing a hill to get back to I-70. Oh my gosh. Now, it was said that each of the killings were close to the I-70 interstate, and that's why he's named the I-70 serial killer. Okay. The investigation really started in St. Charles, as this was also the investigation's home base, mainly because there was a detective in St. Charles who made the connection with all the victims. All of the murders occurred with the same caliber of gun, which was a 22 caliber firearm, and each one of the women were petite, young women, and all had long, dark hair. Besides the male. Besides the one male who was was mistaken as a woman. Yeah. So he had the same characteristics, but was a male. And maybe the killer saw him from behind only and not forward. That's my assumption, that he literally walked up to this guy, thought it was a girl, shot him dead. And then left. And then took his wallet and left. Yeah. As mentioned before, each victim was shot in the back of the head, execution style. Then all the murders were single kills besides the one at the bridal shop which was only suspected to be multiple because the killer didn't realize that there were two women working that night. None of the crime scenes showed any signs of sexual assault, while all the stores were robbed of something. It did seem like robbery was a secondary motive, as they were all smaller specialty shops. All the murders took place at slower times of the day, as in either closing time or just after lunch as well as each of the shops were located in a strip mall close to the I-70. To me, these don't seem random. To me, it seems like whoever the perpetrator is has scoped out these stores before, knew what these people looked like and who worked when, when the stores were slow. Like These seem very much premeditated. No, I agree. I think it's very maybe premeditative, but also it is kind of random as well. That's true. Who knows if this guy had any connection to these shops or even these people. Most likely he didn't have any connection to these people. Yeah. But maybe he's thinking, oh, I'm close to an interstate. This shop's close to an interstate. Let's see if we can get away with murder. That is just crazy. And maybe he would just sit out for a day and that was it. So maybe yeah, that was the premeditation. He could have just scoped out the places for a day. But still, like, it might have been premeditative, but we also won't know. Either. Yeah. So, in 1992, police were able to release two different sketches of the killer, as well as his description. The I-70 killer is a white male in his 20s or 30s, and to be anywhere between 5'7 to 5'9. He is thin, has lazy eyelids, which I have no idea what lazy eyelids mean. I I didn't look it up. And he had either sandy blonde or reddish hair back in 1992. For me, I think lazy eyelids are just somebody... I mean, see, I can only think of like a lazy eye, but I don't think maybe that's what they meant. Well, and maybe the interpretation is, is lazy eyelids is just a person whose eyelids are not open all the way. He could. Yep. That's another good thought as well. Yeah. And just recently in 2021, the St. Charles police produced an age progression sketch. And today he's believed to be anywhere between 52 and 70 if he is still alive. Wait, we don't know who he is. Now, police were never able to publicly identify any suspects to who this killer is and is still labeled as a cold case to this present day. Wait, was how many murders did he do in total? So he had six total murders. 
over the span of just about a month. So for me, I just think like, there's no way he just stopped. There's no way he went on the spree over a couple months and just was like, well, that satisfied that tick. I'm done. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll never know unless until he's caught, he's caught or this case could end up just going dead. Yeah. And we'll never know. And yeah, we'll never know. We'll never know his motives either until they catch him. But it sounds like he most likely had a problem with petite, long, dark haired women. And it all started in Indiana. Police are still very hopeful that this case will be solved as new technologies are advancing in this day and age. Now, if anyone has any information on the I-70 killer and would like to submit a tip or talk with someone, call the I-70 serial, the I-70 serial killer hotline, which you can look up online, and we'll also provide it in the description. Now, that is the story of the I-70 serial killer and his brutal actions that still probably haunt those areas along I-70 throughout Indiana, Missouri, and Kansas. So there's, there's the three states for you. So I, I've heard the I-70 killer before, and I know with our podcast, we usually don't know the cases that we choose, but I've heard, I mean, obviously I love listening to true crime. And so I've heard of this one, but I completely forgot that it was a cold case. And I, I just hope, I mean, we've seen, you know, killers get, you know, taken in because of DNA connection or familial connection. And so, I mean, just like the Golden State Killer, he was just captured and incriminated and found guilty of his span of crimes because of the familial DNA that they were able to produce. And so I just hope that we're able to find him and get whoever did this over the course of a couple months. Because I think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, six people died for absolutely zero reason. Like, this one, there was no There's aggravation. No, no motive, no, no means, just merciless killing. Well, and no personal connection to the people. I mean, just in the case that we did last week, I mean, he, it doesn't make it okay, but John Gacy was, you know, meeting with these guys to offer jobs. He was working as a clown as a party. He had some previous small connection, connection with these people yeah. but with him i mean killing six people just in cold just blood six r- random people i feel like you can't even compare the type of killer that these people are because they're completely different but it's just it's so sad and it, you know these people were just working their job to make a living to be able to put a roof over their head and they got killed in doing that and i you know it's one of those things that retail is such a it can be such a dangerous occupation and we don't usually think it is, but it can be if you're working alone. And that was a key, you know, Yeah, a lot of these people were working alone on the days that they were killed. It was a key factor in these murders. They were alone. And I just think we, we discredit the fact that it is kind of a dangerous area of business because if you're alone, you have no idea what people are coming in and out of your story. And I think that's the thing is we have no idea. There's and, killers walking among us. And also clearly us. back at this time, they didn't have video evidence. Which or, is obvious, ob- like, yeah, which is terrible. Which is awful. And that's why he's probably never been caught too. And will probably never be caught, which is sad. But how? what's the extent of the DNA that they were able to get from that one scene? It didn't really say what it was, if it was blood or fingerprint or anything like that. It it never specified all and it it's said, probably too small to even build yeah, a profile. all it said was that it wasn't very helpful in their investigation well that's really sad 
Well, like Anton said, we will include the number of that hotline in our show notes. You can find it on our podcast episode that we will be posting. And if you, again, have any tips, you can submit them anonymously. Hopefully one day, whether in this lifetime, we're able to, you know, get a killer for this I-70 killer. And I know, you know, even in a lot of the murder cases that we see and serial killers, there's a lot of I blank serial killers. Yeah, there is a lot. Like when I was looking it up, there's I-70 and the other one that I saw was I-65. Yeah. Which that was kind of, again, I want to say it ran through kind of the same states. There I think as there's well. also one through Alaska that there was another highway serial killer as well. So it's just, it's sad. It's random I and feel it's like in cold blood. It's also one of those things where it may be a little bit easier. I wouldn't say easier to get away with it, but I mean, you kill someone, hop in your car and drive away. And you're gone. And you're gone. And you just hope that somebody leaves DNA. Yeah. And they were reckless. Mm hmm. That or you just hop in the woods. Like, that's true too. And people go missing all the time after they've committed murders. We see it all the time. I mean, clearly, this guy's. Yeah. He might, he might still be living among us. Like, who, we don't know. I know. And I think that's the one thing is we have no idea who walks among us. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to Couple of Criminals. Please download, like, share, and subscribe. We will see you back here next week where I will actually be reviewing a crime from Iowa. Until then, this is your couple of criminals signing off.